here's to courageous pioneers who understand a legacy is multifaceted. Whether you are an independent entrepreneur or someone who is part of a family business, you too can leave something of value behind for a greater purpose. Perhaps your legacy will improve workplace cultures, seize authentic moments, or inspire others with your talent. Your host, Angelina Carlton, is the founder of Design Your Legacy, a boutique advisory firm based in Beverly Hills, California. She is a mentor and coach to leaders like you and has contributed to Alliance, a philanthropy magazine, as well as to women in family business. She has been recognized by Los Angeles Biz as an LA woman of influence, as well as by World HRD Congress for her work. Remember, you deserve great coaching because your legacy is worth completing. Welcome, everyone. I'm Angelina Carlton hostess of the Design Your Legacy podcast, where I look to distill the best practices, positive examples in action, and the best ideas to inspire you. As today's affluent are two-thirds self-made, I hope to invite a variety of guests from many walks of life and income levels to bring you their insights and experiences. These guests range from family office professionals, Hollywood directors, and those in Generation Z, as they each contribute their thought leadership to the subject of legacy. I hope to provide interesting guests who challenge your beliefs with their strong bias towards optimism and how you too can value your life, time, and personal legacy. This morning, I have the pleasure of introducing David McCrary. He was born into a family of some wealth, the Anheuser-Busch family of Budweiser, also known as the Budweiser beer fame. And he knew from about the age of 12, he'd need to understand wealth management. So he chose a path that would help him prepare for that, despite its many academic and entrepreneurial struggles required along the way. It's those struggles and lessons learned that now benefit his wealth management clients and help him pay his hard-won knowledge, hard-won knowledge forward and helping others improve their lives and what makes David feel most fulfilled in his life. Welcome, David. Thanks, Angelina. Nice to be here. It is an honor to collaborate with you on this subject and present legacy from your perspective to the viewers and listeners of this um, podcast, as well as the video series. So for an icebreaker, would you share a bit about your family's business history regarding what business models you observed and what you might have learned from osmosis? Yeah, I'll share a couple of a uh, couple of the approaches uh, my family's taken over. Actually, multiple generations now. I'm the sixth generation um, since uh, the founding of Anheuser Busch by my great great grandfather Eberhard Anheuser. Um, and our family over all these generations has uh, focused uh, on doing things for for our family members that will help them in their lives uh, to create meaningful lives that um, where where they can contribute back to not only their families, but to society. So, for example, uh, my family over many generations has always paid tuition to really focus on one of their values, which is uh, education for all of the family members. So we benefited from uh, all tuition paid all the way through graduate school. Um, And they've also funded 
the entrepreneurs in my, in my family uh, with seed capital to help any of the entrepreneurs. And we're not all entrepreneurs, but those that are with seed capital and getting that seed capital for any of you entrepreneurs out there, you know, it's not easy. Banks won't lend to a startup. Uh, so those are two examples. That's wonderful. And, and um, I believe the original uh, Anheuser family member uh, made their entrepreneurial mark in 1860. Yep. He started his company uh, called the Eberhard Anheuser Company um, in, in, in the 1860s. Um, and it was a soap business. So slightly different suds. Um, he then pivoted into beer. Okay. And one of his suppliers was a guy named Bush. And Bush sat down with Everhard and said, look, I think I can help you make your beer better. Um, and so they teamed up in partnership um, just a couple of years later and, and named their new company Anheuser-Busch. That is a, a delightful story. And what foresight uh, your ancestors had to know to not just set aside money for family education and tuition, but also to foster a family culture, which we'll get into in a moment, that has helped generation after generation, not just maintain the wealth, but the mindset needed to save money and to preserve what has been built, um, you know, gosh, it's, um, I would say, over a century ago. I mean, I want to say decades ago, but it's more than just 10 decades. Yes. Um, yeah, and that's a real challenge to Angelina, as you know. I mean, the shirt sleeve is to shirt sleeves in three generations means uh, the first generation makes the wealth, the second spends it all, and the third is back to working in their shirt sleeves. And that happens frequently. So it's a real challenge to push back against that. Sure. Well, I, I can imagine that um, one has earned the the uh, the income, they've built the business and the other generation sees the fruit of that and they can enjoy it, but they don't understand that process from A to Z of everything that goes into the, um, not just the sacrifice of time and, and, and making decisions around budget, but, but just that whole lifestyle. I mean, when somebody builds a business, they, they give, you know, not just 40 hours a week, sometimes it could be 60 to 80 because it's, it's their own sweat equity that builds that dream. Yeah, so that's exactly right. And it's a wealth building uh, mentality. Yes. And so the trick in building a family culture that can maintain wealth across generations is to never allow a, quote, second generation mentality to show up in the family. Keep each generation on the generation one uh, mentality, which is a wealth generating mentality. Yes. Well, I think a part of it is that repetition of reminding the, the next generations coming up about the, uh, the beliefs that they need to have in order to produce right. that, that fruit. I mean, I was just listening to an individual the other day and she had mentioned that she would listen to these Wayne Dyer tapes about beliefs and she was a teenager, but her father had given her these tapes. And yeah. today she has a, a billion dollar company. Okay. So um, yeah, look, if I could just add. Yes. So, you know, many of us in corporate America that have had jobs with big companies know that the companies spend millions on corporate culture. 
right? They want their corporate culture instilled amongst all employees. Well, families need to do the same thing. They need to spend the time and the money to instill a family culture of wealth, uh, maintenance, and creation. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, I think it's a blind spot. And until they, you know, I don't, <laughs> until they get their hand bitten, they don't realize the value of it, of it sometimes. Or it's too late. Right. Right. Which is one of the reasons why we have this podcast so that people can right. listen in and it can plant those seeds. Right. So before we get to seeds and your, your Johnny Appleseed story, I would like to bring up that you um, very much have an entrepreneurial mindset and your wealth management company is your fourth company. Right. That's true. So you're, you are walking the talk. Indeed. I was born with the entrepreneurial gene of Eberhard Anheuser and actually some of my other grandfathers. Um, so was there anything that you picked up? And I use this word osmosis. Was there anything that you learned by osmosis, given the role models of your family members? Well, uh, it's this, this, this wealth management um, culture, which is study hard, uh, learn as much as you can in school, step out, um, work hard either for others or for yourself or a combination of the two, and really um, contribute to first your family and then your broader community. Right, right. Wonderful. And we'll get to uh, what I think might be one of your favorite words of stewardship in a moment. Um, but will you, will you share the Johnny Appleseed story? Because I think stories can, they're like metaphors, they can sink in, in in a new way. Yeah. So I've um, started an, a, a new element in my family's um, culture. And it's um, or a, a new arrow in the quiver of my family's wealth culture. And that is the Johnny Appleseed Trust. And what this is, is um, the story of Johnny Appleseed is an old one. He was a real person. He lived in the uh, early United States back in the 1800s. And he went around the Northeast um, as far west as Ohio, I believe, planting uh, apple seeds all over the place. Um, And decades later, um, those trees have grown and are producing apples all over the Northeast. And a lot of folks have no idea where their apple tree in their backyard came from. And it was his uh, seed planting that all those decades later produced these apple trees that keep producing apples. So it was a very long-term project but that's been paying uh, apple dividends uh, for many, many families ever since. So along that line, uh, in my family, I am creating at the birth of each of our grandchildren, what I call Johnny Appleseed Trusts. I've had my first grandchild born here last August, and uh, I've set up his uh, Johnny Appleseed Trust. And what it is, is a trust that will... um, before him and only him, so that when he turns age 70, the uh, proceeds will revert to him and to help support him in his retirement. And the amount will be a million, a million dollars. 
at that time. Be, but yes. It'll be a million dollars in today's dollars. Okay. Which means with an inflation rate of like 3% over the next 70 years, it'll end up being closer to $6 million in tomorrow's dollars to $1 million in today's dollars. And all I need to fund this because of compounding and the incredible magic of compounding is $8,000 once. Right. And then you let time and compounding do the rest, which I think a lot of the times, uh, one of the things that people talk about commonly is how often the school system, including business schools, they forget to teach about compounding. And what a simple right. concept that when you get the, the, that momentum, whether it is apple trees and apple seeds or depositing $1,000, even $8,000 today, what it can do 50 or 70 years down the road as that individual is growing and experiencing right. life. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so many families um, never tap into that. You have to have a multi-generational plan in your mind to even think to do this. Right. But it's not rocket science. It's, it's, pretty, it's, it's pretty darn simple. Sure. And one of uh, the books that you like, The Psychology of Money, also talks about the value of compounding. Yeah. And, and not only do you have to know about it, and you can do that I'll, if your listeners Google the rule of 72, that's your homework assignment for after this podcast. But um, it, um, you have to not only know about compounding, but then you have to actually implement a strategy, a plan right. to capture that. So um, I, I, and I want to talk in, in a moment about uh, some of your insights about not spending the principles and so forth. Um, but in learning and growing, are there any key insights that you would like to share that you've garnered while working with and investing for generational families? Well, I, um, you know, I can't give specific investment advice um, in this format. Um, I can only give specific investment advice to clients of mine that I know well. Um, but generally speaking, um, there are uh, five areas that um, anybody can consider when considering how to manage their own families. Uh, financial affairs. And the five, uh, happily, spell an easy word to remember. The word is peach. So P stands for pay yourself first. You need to convert income into wealth, meaning your salary into a nest egg, where your salary is the income and um, the nest egg is the wealth. And you've got to convert income every year into wealth. So you got to add to that nest egg every year. So pay yourself first is that process of converting your current income, a portion of it, certainly not all of it, into savings, which is your nest egg. And the rule of thumb is 15% of your gross wage. Some folks like to do 20%. Uh, there are, there's a group called uh, Financial Independence Retire Early. It's a FIRE group. 
And some of them are saving 25 or 30% a year in the hopes of retiring and, and attaining their financial independence early. The E on Peach is set up an emergency fund that's about six months of normal, burn, normal monthly burn and just set it aside, have it be in cash or near cash. Don't worry that it's not making much interest. Its job is not to make interest. Its job is to just be on the side. Uh, C is, or A uh, stands for avocation and vocation. Pay attention in time to not only your hobbies because they will serve you well in retirement, but also your current uh, jobs and your current career, your vocation, um, and make changes if you need to. Uh, do what makes you really uh, excited and that will pay big dividends. C is credit cards. Don't carry high cost credit card balances. And H is don't have a house that's too big. Sure, land rich cash force. Buy a big, exactly. You know, you, you want to you guard against that. I like to say to my, my clients and anyone that'll listen, uh, small house, used cars, and a big nest egg. Yeah, yeah. And I just want to circle back for a moment in something that makes you a, a great human being, which is when you refer to hobbies, you're a ski instructor and you also love photography. Right. And, and so I just, I see you as a happy human being, like you're, you're really, really happy. And I just think that in itself makes you a positive role model because there are some people that have been given privilege and wealth, and yet they, they are not enjoying the quality of life that could come with it, even in the, the small, simple things of skiing and, and photography, which it's is noticing proof. the simple it's things. Proof. It's proof that money doesn't really buy your happiness, right? I mean, you need to work on all the areas of wealth. And I, and I, I consider many different areas of being areas of wealth management. Mm -hmm. There's um, human capital, there's intellectual capital, there's spiritual capital. Uh, and then there's general health is another form of wealth. So there's a lot of areas other than money that I bring into my definition of wealth and yes. wealth management. And also in considering one's legacy. Right. Yes. So I want to ask you um, a question uh, about why stewardship is so important to you. And then I'd like to bring up um, some of your other uh, definitions of wealth. But why is stewardship so important given what you see out there in the world today? Well, I'm an, I, I'm an economics major and I've studied the economy um, all my adult life. And I see the value that business brings to all of us. Businesses have increased the lifestyle of the human race over the last couple hundred years in a huge way. And so I like to do things that help foster business because that in turn improves all of our lives. And entrepreneurship is the little egg of a company and it hatches and needs to be sustained and grown into a big company. 
And that takes um, startup capital. Yes. Start, startup capital comes through stewardship in a family where the family has through stewardship has the wealth to help these little chicks grow. Sure, sure. So I think one of the distinctions that you've made is oftentimes banks won't provide that seed capital. And, right. and in between family and friends, family is more likely to provide the seed capital. And the family first, friends once the family has. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and also, I think there's the distinction about, um, in terms of stewardship, a reason for the next generation to wake up and strive for something in their own confidence and purpose more than spending the fruits of the labor of prior generations. Yeah, if they can, if they can likewise view the benefits that I've just described. Yes, the role of them a purpose, right? A purpose to get up and contribute. Right. Right. It's contributing members of society. I just wanted to make the joke about the roller coaster ride of entrepreneurship. One moment it's great, the moment, next moment. Um, you could be dealing with the tax, you know, one moment they love you, the next moment they hate you. <laughs> so true. I, the word struggle comes to mind when I think of entrepreneurship. It's a struggle. It's a series of wrestling matches. It's not easy. But that, you know, there's a great old British uh, saying that says, um, no smooth sea ever made a skilled sailor. It's the struggles in life yes. or an entrepreneurship that helps build our character and give us fulfillment and in fact can lead to more happiness. Because of, of that struggle, realizing that people have that tenacity and grit within them that they can trust themselves more when faced with those high waves. Yes. Right. Yeah. And it, if you're in a family with wealth already, it's hard to get out from under the shadow that that wealth casts. Right, right. And if you, if you can do that through your own entrepreneurial efforts or your own professional career path, that's one way to find your own, uh, your own uh, self-esteem. Absolutely, which I think is important, especially given um, the coming years, it feels like there is a, a bit of an uncertainty in the element of what will the seas in the future years bring uh, it, oh, in yeah. between There's, cryptocurrency I, and yes. That's always the case, Angelina. Right. You, go, you go back uh, generation after generation as it's always a little murky in the future. And, you know, and you, and you have to kind of get ready to trim your sails and steer your ship, uh, depending on the weather that comes your way. Yes. So speaking of um, weather that is coming your way, one of the things that you prioritize in your definition of wealth is human capital. Before even you get to the conversation about the financial capital of saving and investing, retirement, estate planning, would you speak for a moment to the value of human capital, what you see in nurturing and fostering that? Sure. Uh, human capital uh, really has two components. It's um, very basic. Um, you know, it's the human capital that creates the value or the wealth in the other types of, uh, of wealth or capital, including money. It's humans that produce the value to the society which produces the wealth in a family. So you've got to start at the basics, which but is 
having grandchildren, right? And them having children. Those are humans. And those come into your family by by giving birth. So fostering family and fostering your children to have children and so on is step one. That's step one of human capital. And step two is helping, helping them grow into productive adults. And that's the intellectual capital part of the human capital, helping them with their schooling, helping them with their careers, helping them with their graduate schools if they want that, or helping them start their companies or just get on a track with a, with a profession or a job. I, I just like uh, that you have that lead the way because I think that that emphasis in the priority on the human capital when, when realizing it brings the creativity to society. It's, it's the steam engine that creates new solutions. It and, is the engine. And, and the money, the bank account is the caboose. Thank you. Or, yes, that's or what said I was another at. way, the bank account is the fuel. It's the gas tank. Right. That, that periodically feeds that engine. And the engine is humans. Correct. I just wanted to uh, point a flashlight for a moment to that point, because I feel like sometimes people um, forget because the money is sensationalized right. on the cover of Forbes yeah. and Fortune. And right. right. And they make they make the money car, the engine, but it's it's no engine. Yes. Yes. It's your train will not go forward if you put that as your first car. Right. So as wealth gets transferred from generation to generation, then the the younger or next generations, the rising generations, as they're called, has to have the mindset and the fortitude that you referred to before to be able to handle the the sailing when the seas aren't so smooth and that knowledge of how to maneuver and navigate. Right. And, you know, knowing that you've got a caboose full of fuel helps give strength and perseverance and grit to those family members. Yes. You can fail and start over. And, you know, entrepreneurship is, is a series of almosts with a final success, hopefully. Yes. And practicing the business skills, absolutely, until mastery. So what does giving back to you mean? Because in the conversations around stewardship, giving back, I believe, is also one of your core values. So what, what, what does giving back mean to you personally? Well, it's... it's um, giving my time mostly and my expertise to um, family members and uh, community groups that uh, I would like to help. Um, And I sit on the board of three different nonprofits um, and help them manage their money because that happens to be my skill set. You know, we each have different skill sets. So I'm not trying to bring everything to the folks that I'm trying to support, but I try to bring what I'm good at. I help people ski, right? I help them get better at their skiing. I help these three nonprofits manage others for the benefit of what it is, their mission. They're in the, in the business or what their missions are. So I help them manage the fuel to fuel their missions. And I derive a lot of pleasure out of that. But I bring the key is we can each bring our own specific specialty skill. Right. We don't need to bring everything, just whatever we're good at. 
Sure. And I think a part of what, and I'm, I, I'm just going to make this up. So let me know if you agree or, or not. I think a part of it is that you see the bigger picture, whether that's karma or having a life led by faith, that you realize that your choices today have a ripple effect with people you may meet and people you may never meet, but it's almost your contribution to the greater, to the greater karmic good. Yes. 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 Or the greater spiritual picture. If you believe in, in those things. So yeah, it's a broader, it's a higher altitude. I'm also a private pilot. So it's, it's flying high to 30,000 feet and looking down and seeing all the, the potential ways that uh, your efforts can help. Sure. Now I understand your, your uh, airplane pictures on the photography website. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, I think that's brilliant because if somebody can have that eagle eye view or what I call that 5,000 or 30,000 meta view, they have a different perspective regarding the actions that they choose intentionally as well as consciously. Yeah. And let me, on this point uh, that you mentioned earlier, we got to watch out for um, Madison Avenue okay. and advertisers. And I mean, they're trying to really get us to focus on the money and their particular products. The image, sure. And, and you know, if you can, you can be uh, misdirected by all of that glitz and all those fancy ads. Um, so you really don't want to take your eye off the more important things in life. Brilliant. Very good. So I, I know I need to wrap up in a moment. Uh, would you share a couple of your core values that you get to honor and what you would like your personal legacy to be? Well, my, my, I guess my, my core, um, core values are uh, family, uh, faith, and giving back. And I guess with my legacy, what I'd like my uh, tombstone to read uh, is something along the lines, those lines, um, that I um, was a good family man. Um, I had a deep faith. Um, and I gave back where I could. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you very much for putting that into words. You bet. Okay. Is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners or viewers, such as your website or just any final thoughts? Sure. You can, you can, uh, find my wealth management site by Googling, um, McCary Anheuser wealth uh, or Anheuser advisor. And if you can't spell Anheuser, grab a bottle of uh, Budweiser and it'll be on the label. <laughs> and um, my photo site is dwmccary.com. You can check out my photographs. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I just wanted to highlight before I read out my uh, closing paragraph that I appreciate the leadership that you are bringing to wealth management in that you are role modeling what is possible when there is balance in life because you are happy, you're enjoying your life. And you also see that broader picture that it's more than numbers on a page. It, it needs to involve the humans in that collaboration and what I call the important conversations that need to happen, um, whether it's a weekly basis, a monthly basis, but um, it, it is that fostering and that nurturing that allows the wealth to be passed from generation to generation um, because people can't read one another's minds. It really does take a, a good effort, just like the Johnny Appleseed story. 
Right. And Angelina, I uh, thank you for all your efforts with uh, legacy planning and your uh, entrepreneurial activities in this area. It's very important and it will benefit many, many people. Thank you. Okay. Well, in closing, I'm Angelina Carlton, the hostess of the Design Your Legacy podcast, as well as the founder to Legacy Planning, a boutique coaching and advisory firm based out of Beverly Hills, California, but international in those I coach. I hope to dive deep into subjects that can help a person define, develop, and execute their legacy and continue to scour the landscape for those who can be great resources to every dimension of your legacy. For many listeners, there can never be enough education and preparation in the moot around your castle. Whether you find yourself with new wealth or generational wealth, may the content of this channel be an anchor in any storms ahead. We do our best to provide original content for your intellectual and, and emotional curiosity. Thank you for joining us today. And remember, I coach people on the subject of personal legacies. Of course, please do your own due diligence as some areas are black and white while others are gray in nature in the changing landscape. I hope you find these podcast interviews entertaining in their education. Thank you so much for joining us today.